Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Well, some of you know that uh, when, I, when I finished my work at, uh, in, in seminary, my first call was uh, to a large church in the greater Long Beach area, uh, Good Shepherd, uh, Presbyterian Church in Los Alamitos, and uh, I was called there to be the uh, associate pastor to children and families. It was about 1,100-member church, and uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was founded uh, by a man named uh, uh, Virgil Zerbel, and uh, uh, Virgil did it all. I mean, he, he took that church uh, from a vacant lot uh, to a, a thousand-member church, and uh, he and the, the stories that 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 I heard uh, in my in my first couple of years uh, in ministry about the legendary uh, Virgil Zerbel uh, were just uh, some of them were just absolutely amazing. Some of them were absolutely hysterical, uh, and I was at that church uh, uh, for about. Uh, about two and a half years before I had an opportunity to to preach, uh, I was told very very early on that I, I was not going to uh, I was not being hired to preach. I was hired to do children's ministries uh, and to work with families. And uh, so I said, okay. Well, we had a change in staff. Uh, the, the head of staff left, and the interim came in. And uh, the interim thought it important for the congregation to hear from from all the pastors. And there were uh, uh, there were three associate pastors at this church and a, and a, a music minister. And so the, one of the Sundays that I had opportunity to preach, I was, so, I was so excited. And I was even more excited uh, because I, I heard that uh, the Reverend Virgil Zerbel and his wife Virginia were actually going to be in the sanctuary so it's like, wow, this is a little intimidating, uh, but uh, but it was it was exciting as as exciting as well. So I went out there and I I preached my heart out and and afterwards I got to meet uh, uh, Virgil and and Virginia and uh, it was a it was a glorious day and went about my business. And about uh, probably about a month later, I received a phone call. Uh, uh, from a couple in uh, uh, in the church. Actually, it was not it was not a phone call. It, it was uh, we had hired a new pastor uh, to come, and the congregation was meeting the new pastor uh, at a at a Friday night and a Saturday night uh, kind of a get together, a dessert, and so uh, uh, we were all there. And uh, this this couple came up to me as uh, in in the evening and said, Pastor David. Uh, there's a church in Coronado looking for a pastor, and and we think that you should apply. And I said, "What do you what do you say? And am I not doing a good job?" No, 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 no. We just think that you have gifts and that you need and that you need to do that. Well, come to find out, uh, Virgil and Virginia, when they had retired from Good Shepherd, had moved to Coronado and were attending this church. Not only that, but Virginia was serving on session. Uh, and so after, 
after coming up and hearing me preach, she came back to the nominating committee who was looking to fill uh, the, the church here and said, hey, there's a young man, uh, I was young back then, uh, there's a young man at, uh, at our former church uh, that would be worth looking at. We don't know if, he, if he's looking to make a move, but he would certainly be worth looking at. And so they reached out to, to me through some, some friends that were, uh, that were a part of our church up there, and we began this conversation, and, and lo and behold, uh, we eventually threw our name in the hat, and uh, the Lord's hand was upon it, and here we are. Uh, and that was uh, uh, some 20... Uh, 27 years ago, uh, and and I'm just amazed at at how you you know if you follow the trail, and some people say you know it's good old American know who, but I I would say that it's it's connectedness. There uh, there are all these people that are interconnected, and then once we came here, we found out that there were other people here at Grand Memorial who knew people at uh, at Good Shepherd and. Uh, and that just kind of it just kind of it just kind of grows and and expands out. And I was thinking about that and thinking about the interconnectedness of the church as I was uh, looking at the passage uh, for today. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the 16th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, we are going to finish the book of Romans before the end of the year. And I'm, I'm diligently working and praying about where to go next. I'm, you know, I'm not ready for the, for the reveal yet, uh, but that'll come sooner, sooner than later. But uh, we're, 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 uh, we're, we're winding down the, uh, uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. And uh, as was his uh, uh, custom, he wants to greet a few people uh, before he signs off and gives them a little final admonition. So we pick up uh, the, uh, the, the narrative here on the uh, 16th chapter, verse 1, where Paul writes this. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centuria. I ask you, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. And not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend uh, Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative, 
Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother who has been a mother to me. Greet Asyncritus, Philigian, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Neresus, and his sister, and Olympus, and the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. That's a lot of people. I mean, Paul greets more people in, 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 in this letter than he does in any of his other letters. This is just a lot of people. There are 26 individuals, two families, and three households that Paul greets in the church of Rome. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that fascinating. That Paul knows all of these people in Rome who are a part of a church that he didn't plant in a city that he has never visited. And yet he knows all of these individual. That's a lot of people. And I think what it demonstrates is the connectedness of the body of Christ. The connectedness of the body of Christ. We are not isolated households of worship. There is a larger connection that draws us together. And we see that evidenced uh, in, in a number of ways, in a number of places. Certainly, we see it here in, uh, uh, here in Coronado. Uh, uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the ministries that uh, is, 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 is not as, uh, uh, as robust as it once was be, because of COVID, but which I take great delight in, uh, is, the, is the Coronado Men's Connection. Uh, the Coronado Men's Connection, that uh, uh, they still meet on Zoom once a month. Uh, uh, but prior to that, we would, we would meet together, uh, and, and there, were, there were probably a dozen different worshiping communities that were represented there. And certainly, most of the, re- most of the worshiping communities here in Coronado uh, uh, were, were, were present there. And I got to meet men from other worshiping communities. People that I, some of them that, I, that I, I'd never met before who'd been in Coronado longer than me. And so now, when I walk down the street and I see one of these brothers from another worshiping community, we stop, we embrace. Well, we don't now because of, you know, COVID. But prior to that, uh, we greet one another in the name of the Lord. We pray for one another. There's this greater sense of awareness that uh, the, the church of Jesus Christ is larger than any one worshiping community. And I have no doubt uh, that uh, those of us who call Grand Memorial our home uh, community, our home worshiping community, have dear friends that are a part of other worshiping communities here in Coronado. There is this sense of connectedness. And that's where we say there are many different worshiping communities, but how many churches are there in Coronado? 
One church. Only one church in San Diego. Only one church in the United States. Only one church in the world, but many, many different worshiping communities. People ask me about, uh, about Grand Memorial, and, and some, people are, some people are amazed. Uh, they've, they've, heard of, uh, they've heard of Coronado, uh, but they know it only as a, as a resort vacation destination. They're, they're a little surprised sometimes to, to learn that, that we have uh, uh, two elementary schools, a middle school and a high school, that we have a fire department, we have a police department, that we have a hospital, that we've got grocery stores here. We don't have to go across the bridge to buy, to buy groceries. So we, you know, we, we, we laugh at that. But uh, uh, I remember when it started to dawn on me, and I'm thinking about the composition of Grand Memorial, uh, and, and I say, well, we have several congregations that worship at, at Grand Memorial. They go, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I says, well, we have, uh, we have a congregation made up of people who live here year-round. That's number one. That's, that's, our, that's our primary congregation. But we also have a congregation that only lives in Coronado uh, during the winter months. Uh, they come from uh, places like uh, Minnesota and uh, Michigan and uh, uh, Washington, uh, 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 North and South Dakota, and they want to get out of the of the snow. We call them snowbirds, and they come and they and they they come to Coronado, uh, and and they and they winter here. And I and I know these people. I've seen them every year. They come back. Uh, so I've got not only my year-round congregation, but I have my winter congregation. Uh, they check out uh, around uh, Memorial Day, uh, and then within a couple of weeks, uh, a couple, couple, three to four weeks, I start getting uh, my summer congregation coming in. The people that are escaping the heat of Arizona, we affectionately re- refer to them as zonies. Uh, and they come and kind of take over Coronado. But it's not just from Arizona. There are also people from New Mexico. There are people from Texas. Uh, we have some people, that, you know, that, that come from warmer climates, and they, wanna, they want to enjoy the, the weather here in Coronado. So I've got my summer congregation. I've got my winter congregation. I've got my year-round congregation. And then I realized that, uh, that also, very uniquely, uh, we have a military congregation. You know, the, uh, and, that, and they're, they're, uh, they're a congregation all in and of themselves. Uh, we get them for two years, maybe three years, and then, you know, the, the Navy giveth and the Navy taketh away, and sometimes the Navy giveth back. Uh, so in the times that I've been here, uh, you know, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of one family that came the first time that they were here. They had no kids. The second time, that, uh, right before they left, they gave birth to twins. Uh, they came back when the when the twins were uh, uh, nine and ten, and then they left. They came back when the when the twins were uh, uh, fifteen and sixteen. So uh, I mean, it's just the the navy giveth and taketh away, and, and and they come back. So that's my that's my military congregation. I got a year round congregation. Uh, I've got uh, the uh, uh, summer congregation, the winter congregation, the military congregation. Uh, there's also a, a tourist component. A tourist congregation, Grand, uh, uh, Coronado being a tourist community, we've got the tourists that come in, and uh, when we're open, uh, almost every Sunday that we're open, we have uh, uh, tourists who are here, just for that one Sunday. Oh, they and they come back. They you know they're here for a week, uh, and they and they try to make it so that they have a Sunday. So we have a tourist congregation. So that's five. And then I'm, as I'm doing all this, I realize now that we have an internet congregation. 
uh, for all of you people out there who are enjoying the live stream. There's an, inter in, there's an internet congregation as well. Uh, and and uh, we've got people that are, that are watching from, uh, from Florida. We've got people that are watching uh, from Tennessee. We've got people that are watching from Virginia. We've got people that are watching from the uh, Washington, D.C. area. We have people that are watching from Boston. We have people that are watching in uh, Minnesota. We have people that are, that are watching in Ohio. We have people that are watching, that are worshiping with us from Colorado. We've got people that are with us from, uh, from the state of Washington and Oregon and all up and down the state of California. But it doesn't stop there. Uh, we've got uh, folk that are worshiping with us from Brazil. We have folk that worship with us from Scotland. Uh, and England. We've got folks that are worshiping uh, with us uh, uh, from, uh, uh, from Thailand. Uh, we have people that are worshiping with us from Germany. Uh, and it just, it just expands out. And, uh, and, and, and all that interconnectedness has just been amazing. And we have, we have benefited from that so much in the, in the traveling that we've done. If we're, if we're, if we're going someplace, we can uh, we know people and we can, we can stay with them because of this connectedness that is the household of God. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a man named John Lennox. This guy is a brilliant mathematician, Oxford uh, mathematician, uh, but, he's, but he also uh, uh, speaks to churches uh, and he, he talks about uh, 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 intelligent design and, and kind of goes on. And he is invited to international mathematic conversations. And they, they fly him out, they put him up, they take care of him while he's there to speak. A fabulous speaker. He declines the hospitality portion of the conference. And he says, you know, in time after time, uh, the, the conference presenters say, John, we don't understand. When we, we invite you to come, we invite everybody, and we put everybody up in, in, in a hotel near the conference center, you never uh, accept uh, our hospitality ha, ha, wherever you go. He says, that's because wherever I go, uh, I have a church family, and they receive me, and they care for me. So there's this incredible uh, interconnectedness that exists, and, and, and that's what's going on here. How does Paul know all these people? He has encountered them in various places where he has gone. Remember, back in 49, and in 49, uh, as in 16, 16 years after uh, Christ was crucified on the cross, uh, Claudius, the emperor, uh, booted all the Jews out of uh, Rome. Where did they go? They went to all the areas uh, around uh, uh, Asia and Asia Minor where Paul was planting churches. That's where he met them. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla, they were in Rome. They got booted out. They found themselves in, uh, uh, in, in Corinth, and they were tent makers. Paul was a tent maker. He stayed with them. Uh, for the 18 months that he was in, in Corinth. They spent some time with him in Ephesus, and then in 54, Claudius dies. The edict uh, uh, banning the Jews expires. They all go back. So these are the people that go back. And, and I, I think that one of the things that Paul is doing, remember that back then there was not a, a church in Rome. 
well, there was a church. There's only one church. Like we say, there's, there's, there's one church now. But there were individual worshiping communities, and they worshiped in homes. The churches weren't allowed to own property. And so uh, they worshiped in homes. So that's where you get this idea of the house church. And, and it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't just a, a, a Sunday uh, go-to-meeting kind of thing. Uh, these were people who lived their lives with a worldview that was based on who Christ is. Uh, and it impacted everything that they did, how they conducted business, how they treated people, uh, how they interacted with the world around them. And then once a week, they would gather in small clusters in homes to encourage and support each other as they went back out into the world. And so Paul, in, 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 in making all these greetings, I think he's also connecting the house churches. So, oh, you may have known this person, but did you know that that person is a part of this worshiping community over there? This person is a part of a worshiping community over there. Paul is, is helping them to recognize the interconnectedness uh, of the church coming together. Now, I also think that there's another thing going on here. I think that each one of these people that Paul mentions, noteworthy uh, individuals, also serve as character references for Paul. So as, as Paul mentions, hey, I want you to greet, uh, uh, you know, Andronicus and Junia. Oh, you know them. Tell me, how do you know Paul? Can you help me to understand, help me to know him a little bit better? So as Paul is talking about all these different people, uh, he's also providing individual character references that are dwelling within the households uh, within the worshiping communities that make up the one church in Rome. All these people, all these people. So I think that's, I think that's fascinating. But there's other things that are fascinating uh, about this list of people. The composition. The composition of the people that Paul lists. There are, there are men and there are women. In fact... In this list of 26 people, two families, and three household churches, over a third of the names that are listed are women. And these are significant women. In fact, the very first thing that he does is, uh, is introduce to them Phoebe. Phoebe is on her way to Rome. Uh, there's a good possibility that Phoebe actually carried this letter to the church at Rome. Uh, and, and so Paul wants, uh, wants them to know who she is, and he gives her a glowing recommendation. I commend to you, my sister Phoebe, servant of the church in Centuria. I ask that you receive her in the Lord uh, uh, in a way worthy of the saints and give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. The, the, the place of women in the early church cannot be overstated were it not for women i don't know that the church would have survived past the resurrection you'll remember uh, and i and i hope that you will remember uh, that on the day that christ rose from the grave uh, where were the disciples they were hiding out uh, behind a locked door it was the women who went to, to properly anoint Jesus' body for burial uh, that were the ones that first heard that he had arose. And then it was Mary who actually saw Jesus. Mary was the first evangelist 
She was the first one to proclaim the risen Lord. I think that is way cool. So when we, when we, look, at what, uh, uh, when we look at what Christ did, one of the things that he did was to really elevate uh, the, the, the status and the credibility of women, to validate their presence. Prior to that, uh, most women were seen as property. Now, within Judaism, the, the, the process began to elevate this, the status of, of women, and that's a, that's a sermon for another day. Uh, but as we watch and we read through the, the earthly ministry of Jesus, there were always prominent women there. Uh, and so he, he recognizes the gifts that they bring to the table. So, uh, and we see that in this list where over a third of the people that are, that are mentioned are, are, are women. And some of them were, uh, were very significant. If you look at, uh, if you look at verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Uh, not, only, uh, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their house. So Priscilla and Aquila, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, uh, normally in the ancient world, when you listed a couple, you listed the man's name first. But in more than half of the instances where this couple is mentioned, Priscilla is listed first. Uh, So they were a husband and wife team. They were tent makers. They were very, very successful. They had a home that was large enough to to support a, a, a house church Probably eight to ten people would gather in their home on a regular basis. It was Aquila and Priscilla uh, 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 who, who, were, who were very instrumental in supporting Paul uh, in, in his work while he was in, uh, uh, while he was, was, was in Corinth. Uh, and then again, as I said, in Ephesus. And then they had gone back to, uh, uh, gone back to Rome when the edict was, was lifted. I think that Priscilla is the author of the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is unsigned. It is a beautifully written letter. The the Greek that is used to write the book of Hebrews, uh, the only other uh, uh, New Testament writer that comes close to that level is Luke. And we know that Luke was not only a historian, but he was a physician. And so he wrote Luke and Acts. And then if you, if you look at the, uh, at the style of the language, Hebrews is right up there. I mean, it is brilliantly written, uh, deeply, deeply theological, uh, the, the amount of Old Testament references and helping to understand who Christ is as prophet, priest, and king are absolutely phenomenal. It is, it is a, a beautifully written book, and I say all that because if it had been written by a man, his name would have been all over that thing. It would have been all over that. There's not a man alive that would not have been proud as punch to put his name on that letter. So why doesn't, why is it not signed? Such a beautiful letter. Because, and this speaks to the time, and it's a tragedy, but it speaks to the time. Had it been signed by a woman, it would probably not have made it into the canon today. 
Well, maybe today it would have, but in the first century it wouldn't have been because the testimony of a woman was invalid. It was, it was not even considered valid in a court of law, which, which absolutely, sh- we should think about that because if the apostles were trying to uh, uh, pull this big whammy over people that, and, and fabricate this whole thing about a resurrection, they wouldn't have had the first person to declare the resurrection be a woman. The very fact that we have that in the text tells it rings true. It happened that way. And I think that Priscilla is a woman who had the credentials, she had the background, that she could very easily have written that book. And and I think when we get to heaven, that's what we're going to find out, that Priscilla wrote the book of Hebrews. So some fascinating women that are in here. Look down at verse 7. Greet Andronicus and your Bible might say Junia, it might say Junius. It is said that in the third century, when Jerome translated the Greek into the Latin Vulgate, he saw that it was a feminine word there, a feminine name, and he changed it, he masculinized it from Junia to Junius. Why would he do that? Because it says that not only were they relatives of Paul who had been in prison, but they were outstanding amongst the apostles. Wait a minute, you're telling me that a woman, a husband and wife team, Andronic, uh, uh, and, and, uh, uh, yeah, and, and Junia, and Junia were, were, were among the apostles? This verse is probably the most controversial verse in the entire letter to the church at Rome. Jerome couldn't handle the fact that a woman would be considered outstanding among the apostles. And so he changed it from Junia to Junius. And people say, well, that's just, you know, maybe, maybe that happened. Or maybe it was just an original uh, uh, typographical error in, in, in copying or whatnot. But I read something this past week that I had never read before. And that is that the masculine form of Junia, which is Junius, didn't exist in the first century. It didn't exist. So, I, I, you know, as we look at this composition, uh, we see men and women who are working side by side for the glory of God and the advancing of God's kingdom. Gee, it's just kind of reminiscent of what Paul writes later on, that in Christ there is no male or female. But we also see in here uh, uh, Jews and Gentiles. Gee, in Christ there is no Jew or Gentile. We also see in this list... Uh, uh, people who are free and people who are slaves. So within this list of people that Paul greets in Rome, he is, uh, uh, he is articulating that in Christ there is no male or female, there is no uh, Jew or Greek, there is no free or slave, that in Christ we are all equal. We all have inherent dignity and worth as being image bearers created uh, in, the, in the image of God. I find that absolutely fascinating. So as we, as we look at this list, uh, uh, not, only, uh, uh, not only do we see that interconnectedness and that personal relationships, but we also see that, that the composition uh, within Christ, there is no male or female, no slave, slave uh, or free or slave, no Jew or Greek. And then... And then uh, Oh my gosh, it's 10 after 4, uh, uh, 4 after 10. A uh, little dyslexic there. Uh, I'm, I'm just about finished up here. The, the other thing that I find fascinating 
And, and some, some we, we'll never know this side of eternity. But each and every one of these people has a story. Each, each and every one of these people uh, uh, left a legacy for Christ. As you, as you, as you look at these names, uh, and, 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 you know, in, in, verse, uh, in verse 10, uh, uh, greeting those that belong to the household of uh, Aristobulus. Aristobulus was a grandson of Herod. And so there were, there were Christians. And you, when you read about the household of somebody, those were probably slaves within that household that had come to, come to Christ. Uh, greet those in the household of uh, uh, Narcissus. Was he a narcissist? No, no, it was, it was a name. You know, yes, there's the Greek myth of uh, Narcissus who you know, fell in love with himself and, and uh, some say he turned into a daffodil or whatever it was. Uh, but no, no, no. Uh, uh, Narcissus... Nar- Nar- Narcissus, it is, it is Claudius uh, had a personal assistant named Narci- Narcissus. Is, is, is this the guy? We, you know, we don't know. It could be, could, could, could very well be. Uh, uh, look, at verse, uh, look at verse 13. Greet Rufus, uh, chosen in the Lord and his mother who has been a, a mother to me. <laughs> Rufus, I can't wait to meet this guy. Uh, uh, is, is he the same guy that Mark talks about? Do you remember when uh, Jesus was carrying his cross to Golgotha uh, and he stumbled and he fell? And the, and the Romans who were escorting him uh, to the place of crucifixion, they pressed into service a private citizen to help carry the cross. Do you remember what his name was? Simon? Yeah, that's it. Uh, in, in Mark, we read, uh, in chapter 15, verse 21, a certain man uh, from Cyrene, Cyrus, uh, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Can you imagine? So Simon of, Simon, uh, of, of Cyrene, he goes uh, to spend Passover uh, in Jerusalem, gets caught up uh, in, the, uh, in the trial and the arrest of Jesus, is watching Jesus being taken to the cross and is pressed into service because if, he, if Jesus dies before he gets to the cross, that's, that's not good. That's not good. So, we, so Jesus needs a little bit of help. And he gets pressed into service. I would imagine at that point uh, uh, that he was frightened, that he was angry, that he was resentful, uh, uh, that, that who, know, who knows what's going to happen. But something happened in that journey that absolutely transformed his life, and not only his life, but also the life of his family. And they only be, not only became near and dear, uh, but the son, Rufus, uh, uh, who was very important in Paul's life. So uh, every name, every name has a story. Some of the stories we can, we can create fantasies and try and figure out about possibilities, and, and we draw names from here and wonder if these are connected and move forward uh, uh, to try to get a better understanding. But as we think about the church of Christ, each and every one of us has a story. You have a story. You have a story. We, we all have stories, and those stories are interconnected, and they draw us not only closer together, but they draw us closer to Christ. And that's the nature of community, and that's what we're all about. And community is challenging right now with COVID. I get that, but this is not forever. But the community that we have in Christ, that is forever. And so when you see these names, when you see these lists, 
think about them. And, 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 uh, uh, and, and imagine who they might be. And if somebody was writing a letter uh, uh, and introduced you, what might they be saying about you? We're all together in Christ, one community, many different worshiping locations, but one church in Jesus Christ. And that, my friends, is worth celebrating. And that, my friends, is also what strengthens our hope as we move into Advent season for the promises that God has for us. Pray with me. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. Wherever you are uh, today, look around, uh, and what you're seeing is kind of like a home church uh, as we gather together, as you you tune in to listen to the sermon, to hear the prayers, to hear the scripture. uh, It's God coming into your home and uh, reminding us that we are connected, even if we can't be together uh, uh, face-to-face in the same room. That day will come, uh, but uh, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for the technology that allows us to stay connected with one another. It is a reminder to us of what we have just seen in this chapter, that the church of Jesus Christ is so much more than a physical sanctuary, uh, a, a structure that is in a city, The church of Jesus Christ transcends buildings. It transcends geographical boundaries. The church of Jesus Christ transcends time. And we are a part of that church and a part of that body. You are never alone. And you are deeply, deeply loved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by your worshiping community. So let us keep that in mind as we keep hope alive, as we move through this Advent season, anticipating the return of Christ in preparation for celebrating his birth over 2,000 years ago.